0: James chapter 4 we're going to look at verses 11 and 12 uh, today it finishes up a little section at least in my Bible the way that it's got the paragraphs here and uh, the title of the message this morning is loving judgment now I'm not saying that you're supposed to love judgment necessarily um, but we're going to see how love and judgment are going to mix a bit here and, and we're gonna see how James is, is calling us to, to see judgment in the way that we're supposed to. Now, as a church, as South Point, you know, churches, when they first form, they try to figure out uh, the, the, the mission of the church, the vision of the church, how that sorts out. And as a church, we came up with a, a vision statement years ago that, that still rings true to us today. And our, our vision statement simply says this, that we desire to become a healthy, vibrant Christian community that is devoted to Jesus Christ and his transformation of our lives as we learn to love one another and our community for God's glory and our fulfillment. If you've been around here very often, you've probably heard that at some point or another. Uh, if you go onto our website, you'll read it there. But the phrase that I want us to focus on out of that today, because I still think it's, it's relevant, And if you've ever sat in a meeting trying to figure out a vision statement like that, you realize you go through a whole bunch of stuff and then you try to narrow it down to some concise little statement. So the words that are in those vision statements usually are there on purpose. And this is no different. And the phrase that I want to call your attention to is the little phrase that says, as we learn to love one another. Now, when you first think about that, you're like, learn to love one another? I'm, I'm not a little kid anymore. Like, I know I'm a grown up here. I know how to love other people. But that phrase is actually there on purpose. Because what we find is when it comes to loving other people, what we, what we learn is that throughout life, we're constantly learning to love in different ways, we're learning to love better. We're we're understanding people at a different level. We understand ourselves at a different level. We, We start seeing things in our own lives that maybe aren't so loving, that need to be discarded so that we can be more loving. Love grows and love is developed over time, okay? And we have to learn to love one another. We also know that loving others doesn't always come easily. And the reason is, is because we're a bunch of people (laughs) and we're complicated and therefore relationships are complicated and therefore loving people is sometimes very complicated. It sounds nice when you read it in a vision statement. Oh yeah, we'll be Christians and we'll be happy and we'll love everybody. Sounds good. But actually doing it sometimes gets a little bit more difficult. But as Christians, we're called to a high standard Of love, a high standard for our relationships in the way that we treat each other, even if the other person isn't around us. We're not just, you you see the bumper stickers that say coexist, you know, or tolerance. We're not just called to coexistence or tolerance as Christians, we're actually called to love, which is sometimes much harder than just coexisting or tolerating, okay? Now, two of the ways that we love other people that we're gonna see here in this passage, two of those ways is obviously you're not the only two, but two of the ways that we are to love other people is one, by choosing to speak well of them and two, by reserving ultimate judgment for God alone. All right, now I'm gonna unpack those for us as we go on, but these two practical actions are built on a foundation of love. And that's what James is gonna address here in this passage. So let's read it. Let's let's take a look at it. James chapter four, verses 11 and 12. Here's what he says. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So, being James, the way James is, I've told you from the very beginning, James is often blunt, he doesn't pull punches. And so if you read that last little phrase as he's, wow, he's kind of saying, who are you to do this? That's exactly how he's saying it. And when he says, don't do this, that's what he means. He's not gonna give you you know soft, nice words about it. He just says, don't do this. You're not supposed to do this. This isn't what you're called to do. Who do you think you are? And the first thing that he says there is, we're to speak no evil. Speak no evil. Here's a little, you've seen this, right? shut your mouth, stop doing this, speak no evil. What is he talking about? What is he saying when he says, uh, what, what is evil speaking, this phrase, speaking evil? Now this word in your Bible, if, if I'm reading from the ESV version translation of the Bible. If you have a different translation, it might be a different word there. It might actually be the word slander, okay? That word, the Greek word that is translated here in the ESV of speaking evil is also translated as slander, That's not a word that we use that regularly, unless you're a lawyer. But slander is is just, it's that very thing. It's talking badly about someone else, defaming that person. A lot of times slander is done in a public manner when the other person isn't around. That's when somebody gets up and starts just tearing somebody apart that's not even there to defend themselves. It's called slander. That's what he's talking about here. And what does evil speaking mean? or slander, what does it do? Well, it tears down another person with our words. It injures that person. It creates pain by destroying their reputation or their appearance to other people, okay? And that's what James is talking about here. He says, you can't do this as a Christian. Don't do this if you are a Christian. Now here's the problem with the slander speaking evil speaking evil is all around us you hear it and see it all the time this is not the one of those rare occurrences where are like oh my goodness I heard somebody talk bad about somebody else right we see this on a regular basis it's all around us the world loves a good success story but you know what they like even more a good failure story right? Read the, the news or gosh, watch a show, talk to your friends, whatever it is. Something good? Oh yeah, that's nice. That's, that's good. But oh, if somebody's just blown it, especially if they're somebody who's got a high profile, celebrity, famous person, when they fall and it they crash and burn, oh, everybody wants to know all the details. They want to talk about it. They want to share it. Um, it Human beings love a good failure story. Even the words that we use show our appetites for this kind of evil, right? We talk about the juicy details. Juicy is like supposed to be reserved for an orange, you know, food, but that's what we like. It's like, ooh, give me all the juicy gossip that you got on this person. We've got a hunger for it. We've got a desire for it. And that's what we see all around us. And it's out of jealousy or hatred or of some other evil intent that we want to tear these people down. It's what tabloids are. I don't know if it's still even that way anymore, but I remember... Years ago, probably this way still, you go to a grocery store or something and you get in line and you look at the, the magazines that are up there and there's the whole row of magazines that are just like celebrity gossip magazines, right? So-and-so has done this. I mean, I saw this week, Britney Spears is back in the news again. Why? Because of some legal battle that she's having with the sister and dad and all this. And it's like, what? this is the stuff that comes up. That's what, that's what this stuff is. It's all of this gossip and all of this slander that, that's going on. But everyone involved in speaking evil is affected by the sin. And here's the thing. We sometimes think, well, the only person that's doing anything wrong is the one that's actually slandering. But in fact, what we find out is that the listener uh, thinks that they're only listening to the sin of somebody else. I'm just reading the magazine. (laughs) But in fact, they're actually sinning by taking part in it giving an ear to that person that wants to tear everybody else down. We're actually involved in the, in this, in the sin, in the issue. You know, that's, and that's hard for us to realize because sin always involves other people. The very basic definition of sin that I've given you over and over again is that sin is anything that destroys relationship, relationship with other people or with God. It's because sin, the definition of sin is that it's injuring other people. And so when we're involved in it, everybody gets torn down. Think, think about this. Do you realize that pornography would not exist if nobody would look at it? Wouldn't exist. Slander, gossip would not exist if nobody listened to it. It's because it's, it's, it's an interchange that's taking place. And evil speaking that he's talking about here is widespread sin. And it's not like this is a new A new thing that's popped up. This is not the novel sin of slander, right? James is addressing it 2,000 years ago. It's always been this way. It will always be this way. There's going to be this sin that's all around us. But James says there is no place for this in the life of a Christian. No place. Now, already I know that being humans, we start thinking, yeah, well, but what about this? But 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 what about that? I mean, I mean, what happens if our garbage doesn't get picked up in a timely manner? Anybody got an amen on that? Yes, somebody should be trashed for the trash not being picked up, and that's what you see, right? I've got next the next door app, and you just start seeing all these people up in arms, and it's not just up in arms that the trash is piling up. Legitimately, Okay, I got it. I live on a cul-de-sac. We were full of trash. I know what's what's happening. But what happens is, it's not just saying, hey, there's trash on the street. Who's responsible for the trash on the street? And boy, I've got some things that I'm gonna type down on this, right? And that's where you start seeing everybody attacked for everything. Well, it's these people and those people and all this. Everybody up in arms and ripping down anybody that they can. So, but then now you're there sitting, okay, but... Are you telling me that I'm just supposed to sit by silently and let evil people do whatever they want? Because that's usually, well, it's one of the reasons that people want to slander somebody else. It's a self-righteousness. It's like, somebody needs to stand up for this. Somebody needs to say something here. Does it mean that we're supposed to just overlook sins? No. But here's the thing. There's a big difference between recognizing evil and pointing it out and slandering a person. Okay? two different things there. One is sinful, but one is righteous. There's a difference between attacking sin and attacking a person. And I realize that it's sometimes hard to separate the two, but this is what we're called to. This is what James is saying here. He says, don't allow this, don't speak evil against one another. Now, I also think it's important that we recognize here that James is specifically putting this in context with other believers. That's what he says in the very beginning. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. That's that that word for the brothers and sisters of Christ. And there is a difference between how we are to interact with other Christians versus other non-Christians. In fact, our responsibility is different with those who are a part of the family of God and those who are not. Now, that difference might be different than what you think it is, but more on that later. We're gonna to get to that. What is the law that James refers to in the passage? Read it again. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. What's the law that he's talking about? Well, he's referring to the law of God. Okay, earlier in James, he described it as the royal law. Let me read that to you. James 2, 8. We've already looked at this passage. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. He's talking about God's law that says we are supposed to love one another. That it's our duty and our role and our responsibility to love people. And he says, when you start speaking evil of somebody else, you're violating that law. You're refusing that law because what you're doing is you're tearing this person down. You're destroying this person. You're wrecking this person. You're doing the absolute opposite of what God's law for you actually is. And God's law says that we are to love one another and love our neighbor. A couple of weeks ago, I referred back to the, the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus told. And, and the reason that Jesus even gave that story is a Pharisee came up and was asking him about commandments and, and God's, Jesus said to him there, yeah, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the Pharisee follows up with that and says, well. When you say neighbor, who do you actually mean about neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And being a Pharisee, he wanted to hear, "Well, it's the other religious Jews like you." That's what he wanted to hear. And he wanted to hear Jesus say, "As for everybody else, trash them. But those others that are like you, you Jews, that that's all good." But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus tells the whole story of the good Samaritan. And as it turns out, some of those other righteous Jews, the the Levite that comes through and the priest that comes through, they ignore the guy who's been beat up and and left for dead. But the person that comes up is of a ethnic group that the the Orthodox Jews kind of look down on, the Samaritans, they were half breeds in their mind. And so when that's the man who comes along and he loves this person, Picks him up, takes care of him and, and, and cares for his needs. And what does Jesus say? He says, that's who your neighbor, that's who is being neighborly. It was the Samaritan. It's everyone, it's not just other Jews, it's everyone who is within your reach. That is who you're supposed to love. Everybody who you can get to. So when you speak evil of someone else, you're breaking God's law wow, that's kind of heavy. Try running your social media feeds through that filter. (laughs) I don't even mean yours of what you post necessarily, but all the other stuff that you see coming through. Speaking evil equals breaking God's law. What you find is some of those stupid things that people say just got a lot stupider when you realize the weight of what is being said in this effectively, you're judging his law and saying that you are above it. That's what James says. He says, look, if you're gonna go against the law and you're gonna break the law, you're basically saying that you should be a judge, that you have a way that is better than his way. You're claiming the right to make the law and putting yourself as an equal to God. That's a pretty powerful argument that James is making there. And the reason he goes that far with it is because he wants us to feel the weight of the things that we say. He's saying, you know, it doesn't matter that it's common and it's around everybody and everybody does it and you see it all the time and it's not that big of a deal. What he says is, no, actually, you're breaking God's law. So pay attention to how far it, it is. Even if you haven't intended to do it, you are sinning in it because you're breaking God's law. Here's an, uh, uh, this is the easiest target um, as an example today. Speeding. All right. Now, the law of the state of California says that the speed limit of an urban interstate freeway is 65 miles per hour. Okay. That means urban freeway, if you're somewhere near a city, the speed limit is supposed to be 65 miles an hour. How many cars do you think on interstate five right now at downtown are going 65 miles an hour or less? Not very many probably, right? And I won't ask how many of you have broken a speed limit law here today or this week or this month or this year, or whenever you might have done that. But without being conscious of it, what we're really saying is that we're above the law And that we have a right to make our own law, but we know we're really not. When you're clipping down at 70 through downtown, you're like, whoa, there's no traffic. I can go here today. But if a police officer pulled you over and you'd say, I made the law to say 70, what's he going to say to you? "Hmm, That's nice. Here's your ticket. You, you, you can't do it. But by breaking that law, it's like we're saying, we're giving ourselves some freedom to say, oh, it's, it's not really a law. I, I can do what I want to do. But, but our justification, we have lots of them, but our justification is everybody else is doing it. You pull me over for 70? What, was I going too slow? I'm sorry, I'll speed up. Catch up with everybody else. Just because it's common doesn't mean that it's legal. Doesn't make it legal. But when you speak evil of someone else, as I already said, you're breaking God's law. We have lots of excuses when it comes to speaking evil. We can say they deserve it. Or they had it coming. Or I'm just standing up for the truth. Somebody needs to intervene. Etc. 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 It goes on and on. But what we're doing is we're making ourselves judges. Now, Let's, let's separate this a little bit here because it's, it's a little nuanced, and this is why it's important that we look at it. What James says, look back at verse 12, what he says is, there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So this is the second big point that we're looking at here in, in the whole thing of love. First off, we're to speak well of others, don't speak evil, but also to reserve judgment for the ultimate judge. And what James says is there's only one true judge and that is God himself, the one who is able to save and to destroy. Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty-nine. God says this about himself. He says, see now that I... Even I am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Jesus says this also about God the Father in Matthew ten twenty eight. He said, and do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. There's one person that has that authority. That's God the Father. Do you or I have the power to cast somebody into hell? You might tell them to go there, but you can't get them there, right? No, ultimate judgment belongs to God alone. We can't save a soul and we can't condemn a soul. We haven't been appointed to the supreme court of heaven. <laughs> in fact, there's only one seat, and Jesus is the one who sits there. L- listen to what he tells us in John chapter 5, verse 22. It says, "For the Father, who, who is the lawgiver, he judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son." that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. And then on in verse 27, it says, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. What we have to recognize is that we are not the judge. We are not the one who executes judgment. The one who executes judgment, God the father has that authority and he gave that authority to Jesus. Jesus is the one judge. Now, here's the thing. That kind of judgment, sending somebody to hell, ultimate judgment for eternity, that's different than just simple judgment, using your judgment. God gave us rational minds and his spirit to discern right from wrong. In fact, we are called to judge between good and evil. So what James is not saying here is he says, just suspend all judgment. Don't make a judgment call ever about anything for any purpose. Just leave that all up to God. God will figure it out. No, no, no. That's not what is being said here. We are still supposed to make judgment between what's good and evil. That's one of the ways that the world around us is supposed to know what's right or wrong is because Christians should be able to stand up and say, this is right, this is wrong. This is what God says about this. That's how others would know and begin to see the light, the way that God's called us to live. We are called to judge actions. But that's different than judging the motives and intentions of a human heart. And that's God's jurisdiction. And that's the part that we don't want to get in the way of. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God we're not those people. We're not those judges. I don't know why people do some of the things that they do. I don't know what's going on in their heart. I don't know what's going on in their head. I don't know what their background is. I don't know all those things. I can't make that judgment call, but I don't have to make that judgment call. At some point, at some time, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to sort all of that out. But one of the most misquoted verses and misunderstood ideas about the Bible is that we're never to judge other people. You hear that a lot. People say, oh, don't judge me. I thought you were a Christian. Christians aren't supposed to judge. You don't judge. We don't judge. That's not what the Bible teaches. Not at all. There's a difference between using judgment and being judgmental, uh, which is going around looking for flaws and sins. There's judgmental people that are just the, the, the judgment police, that they're always, you know, I'm looking for sins. Okay, we're not called to that. We don't have time to go into all that today. So how are we supposed to use our judgment? We're not supposed to try to put ourselves in God's place and say that we are the Almighty, but we are supposed to be using judgment. How is that supposed to work? And this is also the part that I told you before we'd come back to when it comes to dealing with other Christians especially As Christians, we're constantly called to judge ourselves in the sight of God. You're supposed to take inventory of your own heart and say, hey, how am I living? How am I doing before you, God? We're supposed to do that. But we're also, and this may come as news, we're also called to judge our fellow believers. Now, it's not about condemning them to death to say you're going to hell or not. That's not what it is. But we're called to judge one another for restoration, for building up. We're supposed to call each other out when we see our, each other's shortcomings. Now, we're not supposed to speak evil of anyone, Christian or not. But when we see a brother or sister sinning, it is our responsibility to deal with it. Now, there are many nuances with that. That doesn't mean that everything that you ever see is your responsibility personally to deal with in fact, um, the Bible describes uh, this uh, in, in one little glimpse of this. Um, it, what happens if somebody does something specifically to you? They say something that just tears you down, hurts your feelings, or they, they do something worse. They, they steal from you or they, they do something, something bad specifically to you, directly to you. What the Bible tells us in Matthew 18 is it says you are supposed to go to that person privately and say, look, you sinned against me this hurt me, this is why, and try to deal with that and work through that. And if, and if you can work that out, great. It all stays right there and it's dealt with and, it's, and forgiveness happens and you move on. If not, then it, it can go farther and sometimes you have to bring other people in and there, it, it gets that way, all right? That's, that's one of the ways that we're dealing with that. If it's a public sin, if it's something that happens that everybody in the church or all the, lots of Christians see it all happening, sometimes those things have to be dealt with in a public way. Okay, we have an example of that in the book of Corinthians. Paul had gotten a letter from the church at Corinth that he had established that found out that there was some sexual sin happening in this church in Corinth that was just running wild and everybody knew about it and everybody was kind of looking the other way and trying to figure out what are we going to do here we don't want to judge the person but we know that this isn't all right and uh, and they're just letting it happen and so Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and he has to challenge the leadership to deal with it. Listen to what he says here in 1 Corinthians 5, 3. He says, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Is Paul judging this person in that church? Yes. Is he saying, you're going to hell? No. No. Is he saying there's no repentance for you? No, that's God's role. But what he is saying is what you're doing is not okay and it has to stop. It goes on there in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13 and explains again that this is a priority for what's happening in the church. Because he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders, meaning people that aren't part of the, the, the family of Christ? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. So purge the evil person from among you. Now, if you go on and read the rest of that story, what you find out is that the judgment that Paul had to lay down on this particular guy did its its work. Because what you find when you go back to 2 Corinthians and read about it later is that that judgment that came down, that sin being called out in that believer's life, it caused the person to repent. And as they repented, they were brought right, welcomed right back into the family of God. The love continued to draw them back in. But without that sin being called out, that person could have just kept on headed toward a path of destruction without ever being able to, to change. And although we are are to judge one another, we are also told to be careful that we don't have a double standard. And this is the point that Jesus makes. And this is is where that misquote happens all the time where people say, don't judge, you're not supposed to judge, Christians don't judge. Because here's what they read in Matthew seven, verses one to five, they just read verse one and they just say, that's all you need. Judge not that you be not judged, period. Now, if you read the Bible that way, you're setting yourself up for all kinds of trouble because you can make the Bible say anything you want if you wanna just pull out a little phrase like that. And that's what happens a lot of times. They read that one verse and say, see, don't judge. You wanna be judged? I don't wanna be judged. So if I don't judge and no judgment's happening, there won't be any judgment. People will point to this and say, well, I never judged. I let people do whatever they want. So when I come to the pearly gates and St. Peter is there to open the door, also not biblical, but when I'm there, what's gonna happen is I'm just gonna say, hey, Peter, I didn't judge anybody. He said, you don't judge anybody? Come on in, right? Because if I didn't judge and they didn't judge, nobody's getting judged and it's all good. Sorry, that's not what it says. Keep reading, keep reading. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First... Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is not telling us to never judge one another. And this is the same teaching that, that James picks up on in our passage. What he says is that if we try to take that role of judge, his role of judge, the ultimate judge, if we try to take that role, we're exposing ourselves to being judged. He says, don't try to be the judge and judging other people because you're not. And if you do, you're, in, you're ultimately gonna be judged for it. What he's teaching us is to use our judgment, especially when dealing with or others, with humility and gentleness and purity and holiness. Are we to make sure that our fellow believers don't have a speck in their eye? yes but just make sure that you don't have a log in your own eye. That's what Jesus is saying there. If he says you're never supposed to judge one another or find those things, you're just leaving everybody on their own and that's not the way it's supposed to be. So how, how do we apply all this then to our practical faith? James is a book of practical know-how. How do we apply it? Well, we started with love and we end with love. Rather, than speaking evil of others and taking Jesus's role as judge, our focus is to be on building up one another in love. Do you see the difference? There's a different way of functioning in the world. Yes, it's all around you. People are speaking evil of everybody and they're looking for the bad in everything and they're tearing people down whether it's to raise themselves up or just to tear people down because it's all burnt, all gonna burn. And we're just tearing it all down. There's a different way of seeing people around us. And there's a heart shift that can happen in a Christian. Guys, you're seeing it, I'm seeing it. If you're paying attention to the media and you're paying attention to news, you're seeing all these people from born again believing Christians to the people that are farthest from it, ripping their hair out and their veins are popping out on their necks and they're screaming and they're yelling and they're furious and everything is bad and everything is awful and it's all being torn to shreds. And that's how they're living life every day. You may have coworkers or friends that are this way and you're just like, seriously, take a breath. Right? This is what's happening. Everybody's up in arms, all fired up, all worked up all the time. I don't understand how anybody's going to survive that. It's exhausting for all of us. We're like, seriously, everybody, just go surfing. <sighs> Take a deep breath. That's, what, that's what's around here. But as Christians, especially as Christians, we are supposed to be leading the charge in a different way. Our hearts are supposed to be focused on the love end of things, the peace, the bringing this stuff down. Yes, there's some evil that needs to be dealt with and addressed. Yes, true. But how is it that we're going about it? How about if we leave some of the judgment stuff to the judge instead of trying to put ourselves in there? Ephesians 4, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, says this, rather and I'm putting this rather to what we're talking about here, instead of that evil speaking place, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up In love. Do you see the difference? Evil speaking is tearing people apart. Speaking in love is building people up. I think that's pretty easy to see the difference between the two. And the family of God, the church, should be a healthy family. Healthy families are concerned about the well being of one another. Yes, we're willing to have the hard conversations with with each other when we have to have those hard conversations. Yes, we're willing to apologize and to forgive because we know we're still going to sin against each other because that's what we do. But we're committed to build one another up, to strengthen one another, and to encourage one another. We are part of the same body. If the body starts attacking itself, you've got a pretty serious disease. But a healthy, loving church is what the world needs. Not only does the church need that, not only do we need to build each other up, but the world around us needs a church that is overflowing with love. That's why we're still here on earth. Yes, I know it's countercultural to the way that things are in the world, but that is who Jesus calls us to be. Are we supposed to be known as his disciples by what we stand against? or by our politics, or by our beautiful buildings, or the music we listen to, or the way that we, the, the clothes we wear. No. Here is what the church is to be known for. Jesus said it, and we're finishing up here. Jesus said it in John 13, 34. He said, a new commandment I give to you, speaking to his disciples, speaking to the church, speaking to you this morning, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you want to be a part of a church like that? I do. Then do your part as part of the church and learn to love one another. And be careful When you feel that tug to step into the role of judge, push that off. And when you start feeling that desire to tear down that person, destroy who they are with your words, push that off and shift and become the people that God's calling you to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I know that this is... um, one of those messages that is sometimes hard to hear. And especially when we are hurt or when we are frustrated or when we are angry, I know from personal experience that this is hard to put into practice. But Lord, I believe what your word tells us here today. And I know that you have called us to be people of love. And so Lord, I just pray that you would enable us to be not only hearers of your word, but to do the word that we've heard. And I realize that that may change what we've always done. That may change our native response. We may no longer speak the same way to our families, to our coworkers, to our classmates. We may no longer write the same things that we used to write on our social media posts or wherever we have a voice. But God, if, if it is what you're calling us to, Lord, and so I just pray that you would give us the ability to obey you. And today, Lord, as we just sort through this and allow this to kind of filter into our hearts and sift down into our, the deep places of us, Lord, we do want to again come before you in confession and confess our shortcomings, confess our sins. Lord, we know that we have been guilty of this. We have been guilty of of sin. But we are also very grateful and very thankful to know that Jesus Christ, who is the judge, can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so Lord, today we come to you asking for a fresh start And Lord, I pray that uh, for my own life and for those that are hearing me this morning, I pray that you would allow us to be those people that are focused on love and that can put evil speaking away from us. God, I also just want to pray for all of the relational strife that is happening in the world around us, happening in our own families, in our extended families, so much pain and struggle and suffering going on in the world around us. Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would use us to bring love and bring peace and bring wholeness. I pray, God, that you would bring healing to marriages, that you would bring healing to parent and child relationships, I pray that you would restore friendships that have been broken. There's there's so much destruction and so much of that around, Lord. I just ask that you would do the work that that you are so good about doing, that you would heal and that you would make make things right. Allow us to be people that, that, that come to you to let you work through us and work in us. We lay down our own things. We lay down our agendas. We lay down our desires, Lord, because we really wanna be the people that you call us to be. So help us do these things, we pray, and guide us through the rest of our week ahead. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.